Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Listen to this. This is the tape I found downstairs. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. From the gnarled woods of Michigan to the sun-kissed skyline of L.A., we are Halloweenies! You said I hope you understand when you read this letter that you're better off without me. Cause around me is stormy weather. Stormy weather. Always surrounds me. Live from New York, it's their Halloweenies! Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, and deadites. I'm your host tonight, Michael Maniac Ash Rothman, floating around in the multiverse of madness as we bend the plates of time in the wake of Warner Brothers deciding to push Evil Dead Rise to April 2023. So uh, what are we going to do instead? Well, good question, and one we (laughs) posed to all of our listeners a few weeks ago, because if you recall... Uh, we asked what lists you wanted to see us do. Some were weird, some were a little too niche, some of them we downright deleted, but uh, a few <laughs> of them did catch our eye. <laughs> One of them was this, which was asking for the scariest episodes of television, which a question we might have tweaked on our own, but uh, either way, it's, it, it comes from you, the listeners, and we're very proud to have gotten the ideas because uh, let's just say um, thanks to uh, Warner Brothers, we're, we're, we're uh, floating about until we get to Haddonfield and this so this is this is good this is good we got we got some good ideas here and uh, we thought that talking about the scariest television what better time than now when uh you know we're all buying Halloween Oreos and dusting off our decor for spooky season so that's what we're gonna do and joining me in the multiverse today are two brothers forged by madness and also blood and also their love for tv now last month I went with the supernatural reference to introduce the two of them. And given today's subject, I think I'm just going to double down on that again. So I copied oh, and pasted the script from the last episode, <laughs> and I'm going to just be using it. So call me lazy or call me Al. Hashtag Chevy, uh, if we're talking about SNL, you know, keeping an SNL dominion. He's the oldest of the two, the Dean to Max Sam. See, it still works. Uh, Justin, say hello. And since we're talking about episodes, episodes, tell me, your go-to horror show growing up live from new york <laughs> it's oh, it the halloweenies <laughs> it's so dumb uh, well, my favorite horror show today is probably snl it's really falling off the plank uh, yeah. in the last couple of years we say that every f- four or five years uh, it looks like they're gonna do a fresh reboot so mm. fingers crossed what was my go-to horror show i would have to say once it hits syndication because we did not have hbo around this time i think it was the mid 90s Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. 
finally went to, uh, at least where I was in Orlando, to Fox. It would be on Fox at around, I think, from like 10 to 11 on Saturday nights. Yeah, you're right. I remember and I, that. And I get the old VHS tape out there, and I tape them all. I didn't realize until years later how heavily edited they were. But I will say they were still pretty creepy, um, even looking back on how edited they were. They still worked on me. I, yeah. I love the hell out of that show. I can still rewatch a lot of it today. And you've gone back. I mean, I know, granted, for some reason, HBO Max hasn't unloaded them on there, uh, which seems like Bizarre. the easiest slam dunk they could do on Halloween is just to unload yeah. them all. But anyway, that? just dump them all on the Halloween or something like that. Yeah, I mean, great. it would be that would be a huge splash, actually. But I, I did buy the first season of Tales from the Crypt a few years ago, and man, it's dark. <laughs> it's like it's really dark, really fucking grim, especially the first the, season, especially yeah. the first season. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited to maybe talk about Tales from the Crypt mm. uh, coming up. But uh, first, we have a we have a, a beast from the crypt himself, the Wolfman of the Night. Come on down and tell us your favorite horror show. Is it? Buffy the Vampire Slayer starring Seth Green of Austin Powers fame as uh, Werewolf Oz. Is that one of them? Oh, well, this is uh, Wolfman Mac. <laughs> and, uh, Featuring. Would you, if you were like Wolfman hmm. Mac, though, is your intro for SNL, would you be like chowing down on a human being in Central Park and then look up and wave? Uh, <laughs> no, I think I'd, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd smile, laugh, and then look at the moon like, oh my oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> you're like time. on a date like Ugh. it's time oh, <laughs> the rest God. of the episode just me turning into a werewolf <laughs> for 30 minutes but like running uh, around for chains you what know? was the question my favorite werewolf depiction your, your on favorite television? no no your favorite horror show same as same question as oh, just horror show I, I was being presumptive oh come on now it's gotta be the x-files yeah the x-files yeah. Mm. were you i mean that's the first show that were that is the first show that i really that and Seinfeld. So I, w- I was going to say Seinfeld, but <laughs> was uh, the X Files your first sexual reawakening uh, when you know Dana Scully was? That, that was Hey Dude. That oh, was Hey okay. Dude on Nickelodeon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Christine Taylor with Christine Taylor, Ben Stiller's that's wife. That's right. That's right. I, they were strange. I, I had a confusing dream, and I thought, you know, Lord Let's bless go. bless these ladies. <laughs> now, when you if you have dreams and they're like set in fictional. Uh, universes such as these tv shows do you hear mm-hmm. the theme songs like when you like had a dream about hey dude especially involving the Christine theme Taylor. song was the only thing playing the only thing? for okay. the entire dream okay even when i left that realm yeah that's nothing sexier Jesus. than the, the theme song from hey dude for hey dude yeah, nothing Jesus sexier. christ oh yeah you know i might i'd like to sit here and say the x-files were mine growing up and they they certainly were but like if i'm looking at like real salad days of uh the Rothman, the young Rothman. I got to keep it Nickelodeon as you do. Uh, and, um, my sexual oh. reawakening was also, uh, uh, was actually not, Hey dude, but, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Because, uh, let's just say I had, a the, the, the senses were overwhelmed with the spooky of that show, especially the opening credits. I remember that in, in addition to, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, now, hold, hold everything. You, you actually said your sexual awakening. I did. I did. Well, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I have a well, I have a love affair with horror, as I as I can say. You know, hug no, me horror. True. It's more like uh, fuck me <laughs> fuck, horror fuck for me, me horror. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, you know, I, I you know out there, as you see on horror Twitter, you get a lot of people out there that like profess their love for horror. I'm just I'm just gonna say right now, I am I have a romantic involvement with horror, mm. and it started with uh, scary mm. stories to tell in the dark, and also. 
I got to be honest. Are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark was huge. The Zebo the clown, which I believe is the first episode. Well, Mike uh, might be stepping on something here. That's true, and I don't want to step on it too far, but I will say that was certainly a, an awakening for me. But yeah, love X Files, love Tales of the Crypt, love. Are you afraid of the dark? And I think that says a lot about the generation that we grew up in, and says a lot about uh, who we are as uh, horror curators here on planet earth the wonderful planet earth uh but anyway let's talk about horror tv a little bit more we've got 10 episodes to name we're gonna round robin this as we want to do here on the halloweenies and the 10th as always will be up for us three to debate uh i'd say we could we should try to avoid doubling up on the shows to push I think for we'll a, pull it off I, you I know think what? i'm willing to guarantee dub- <laughs> we might we will, no, not, no, no, he- we will not overlap you said yeah. doubling up on the shows. I know. So, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm pretty sure we're not going to double up on the shows either. You know what, you know what Mike? There's I've only one. Al- I have an alternate, so I think we'll be okay. There you go. Okay. There you go. Interesting. And, uh, I can, and I, can, I can pull into the deep reaches and depths of my scarred mind for an episode <laughs> if, uh, if it need be. Well, I'll say this. If we do double up, no biggie deal. I mean, who gives a shit? What are we going to do? Get sued? Give me a break. It's more spooky content for you, you know, to watch. And honestly, the show that I'm thinking about that we could potentially double up, it's the easiest one to, that's available to stream. So it's a it's a win win as far as I'm concerned. So last time we did a, a round robin, we went by age. I would, you know, we could do alphabetically. We could just, you know, raise our hand first, and who wants to go? I don't really know where to go with this because. Uh, <laughs> We've done so many configurations on this before. I think Mac has kicked it off. I think Justin's kicked it off. One thing I will say, I don't think I've kicked it off. So let's if go it's reverse a, age. Reverse age. Okay, so I'm the youngest here. So yeah. all right, so then I'll, you, I'll, I'll go you, Mac, me, me, Mac, you. Okay, you, it, Mac. Because me. these lists are so short, can can we just go Mike, me, you, Mike, me, so that it's that's more fine. buried? You know, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, then I'll kick it off. I guess we're not, if we were drafting, it would make more sense to do it yeah. my way. But this would, is just yeah. say whatever the hell you want. Well, to be fair, we are in draft season right now. How'd you do on uh, your Final Fantasy? Or Final Mike, Fantasy? I'm glad your you asked. Fantasy Justin football. Gerber. Um, very excited uh, as we're recording tonight. Is opening kickoff night. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, me too, actually. So Mac. Oh, Mac. Big question for you. Um, who do you got tonight? I know you're this is sports guru Mac we're talking to here. Big fan. <laughs> big sports fan. Mac, well, who do you, you got? You got the Rams or the Bills? What's going on tonight? You know, the jury's out, but... Mm. Uh, Got to go with the Rams. Mm. Uh, is, uh, the Jim, Rams. is Jim Kelly playing tonight on the, the Bills or Doug mm-hmm. Flutie? No? Well, okay. again, you know, I don't want to talk. I don't, it's kind of like talking to your pitcher and a no-hitter, you know? I don't want to talk about too much. Uh, yeah. Well, good, the good news is, tonight. Mac, is that at least one of those names I mentioned is uh, played about 30 years ago around the time my uh, first pick uh, first aired. Mm. Uh, so you know the theme. You know the voice. You know the logo. If you grew up as a latchkey kid in the early 90s like I did, Unsolved Mysteries was both your best friend and your worst nightmare. I'm going with... Okay, well, I got two picks, and I got to go... I'll explain why. We talk a lot about how we're all latchkey kids on this podcast. I just did right now, and I do a lot on... Especially Losers Club, because I think that King writes a lot of latchkey kids, because I think that still seems indebted to like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but... I cannot stress enough the life of a latchkey kid when you talk about a show like Unsolved Mysteries. Like for me, 
and I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but like it was like on constant rotation every evening for me, like without fail. If I turn on the television, I would see Unsolved Mysteries on. And sometimes it was like Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings. And that was just like a fucking double whammy for me. Well, I remember watching it when it was like literally airing for the first time. I yeah, think it was yeah. on Fox. Yeah. So it would be on it's Fox like on 80s. Sundays or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember Yeah, vividly watching that. Because it was like, un- was it Unsolved Mysteries and, Unsol- and America's Most Wanted around the same time? Yes, America's- I think okay. that's correct. And okay. and also our emergency nine one one. Oh yeah, rescue nine one one. Rescue nine one one, which 911. is a little, which is a little more like uh, kind of a reprieve, a little more brutal <laughs> at that point. But also brutal, but at the same time, we're like, well, at least it's a car that hit me and not some ghost or a UFO or whatever. Which I guess in, well, in I hindsight, probably say, should have cared more about the car. Well, but. I'll let I'll let you say what the episodes are before okay. I chime in because there is one that I can't put my finger on, but I'll, I'll get into that when I okay. So well, I have to apologize. It was on. NBC and CBS. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I, you I, do, know, I do remember watching it. Well, I, we, because of streaming services now, it's so fucking easy to forget when these shows are on. Like, I mean, I, know. I remember when they had like Twin Peaks streaming on something that wasn't, uh, it was like, I think it was something beyond ABC. I think it was like CBS. They it had was on it on CBS for a long time. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It makes no sense. Okay, anyway. Um, so the thing I loved about Unsolved Mysteries, especially as a Lashkey kid, but I also hated because it really was terrifying, was just how the show really embellished like every creak and noise in your house. Like it was as if like everything that Robert Stack was talking about was somehow down the hall or in your parents' bedroom or just waiting to pounce on you. And I think for me, the success of the show was all about the conviction of it. And like it was like every episode was designed to just get under my skin. And the one that really did, the one that fucking threw me out of the house season three episode 16 the kelsey house where it was also called samuel's ghost and it it, uh debuted on january 23rd 1991 now this one and i said i I say this with all honesty this one i did run out of the house as a kid because of this i was so scared and it's exactly like the kid in the episode itself so basically I'll, i'll give a quick rundown of what the kelsey house is it's this uh reputed haunted house that was located near reno nevada and then it was moved to its current location from virginia city where it resided next to a cemetery for many years before being moved to uh 600 geiger grade in reno where then it became a, a haunted residence that's very confusing what i just said but either Why way it's in reno. this house around i don't know they move houses around a lot back then i mean fuck the myers house has moved around in yeah. pasadena but so that's not weird. haunted though that would have burned it to the ground i know well the first series encounters went from like 77 to 81 and the basically all the members of the family like kept seeing things like they would hear sounds of footsteps walking up and down the stairs. They would hear a swishing sound as if like someone's dress was being dried to the ground. And there was a tall male ghost nicknamed Samuel who appeared in the kitchen and the bedrooms. And a lot of the manifestations centered around the kids. And so for me, I remember it was like for the first time I remember hearing about how ghosts could follow you from home to home. And mm. that really scared me. And then what really put me over the edge was the reenactments and now the reenactments in hindsight are kind of cheesy but they're also really (laughs) affecting because they're also they're so dreamy and lucid and they're very grounded and with with a lot of people that that you just would look like your neighbors and so the one scene that scared the shit out of me was this kid that ran out of his house because he saw the ghost and he looked behind him and the screen door was screaming back and forth and in the window you can see the faint image of like someone staring out at him. And mm. I, I like lost it. I, I couldn't handle it. I, I, I like ran out of the house and I remember sitting on my fucking front stoop 
for like two hours. This is before cell phones. This is like early 90s. So I waited until my mom came home. She was at the time, I think, either a teacher or a pediatrician. So she just took forever to get home. And I just remembered like refusing to go back inside. And and it and it scared the hell out of me. And I and I I revisited it recently. Still pretty scary. And honestly, a lot of the stuff on this show is still pretty scary too. I mean, I I, I double up one that's a little bit more for the adults out there. And it's actually from the first season. You can go check out the Queen Mary episodes from season one, episode three. And it's the Halloween epi- edition of the series too. So again, Mary. that's your bonus one. You're saying that's my bonus one. If you really want, like the, the, the one I first want to mention might not scare you as an, as an adult, cause it certainly is more geared to the kids, but like the queen Mary one, I dare you to watch that at night and, and not be spooked out. Like there's one like sequence where the tour guide that worked on the queen Mary, which by the way is a decommissioned ship that's off of the coast of, I believe LA or the Bay area. I can't remember, correct. but you're correct. Either way, they, they do the reenactments in this one and one in, that involves a tour guide where she talks about how she was walking late at night out of it and turned around on the stairs. And this guy was just standing right behind her and it was just a ghost and she, it vanished like literally like she went to go move forward and then went back and then, there was no one there. It's, it is so scary. And I, I watched it recently last year and it still got on my skin. So yeah, unsolved mysteries. You still got it. Unfortunately, the Netflix, uh, reincarnation fucking sucks. So, um, yeah, that's fired. That's yeah. fired. So that's my, well, my, 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 one of my selections was going to be the queen Mary one. So you took that away from me. Um, Wait, really? No, no, no. Okay, no. I was going to say, there's no way. Time. There's no way because I you don't time. believe any of this shit. So, you know, <laughs> you'd be like, this is boring. No, 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 no. I'm like no, John Carpenter no. when it comes to this. I love it. I, I, I love it when they can trick me into believing on the big screen. I okay. 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 I haven't seen those, but now I will seek them out. There was an episode. It, it was about UFOs. And it was mm. very similar to an X-Files episode. It's the one. It's an early episode in season one where they go out to investigate the three lights. Mm, yeah. Dancing Seth in the Green's sky. In that. That's really, really And there on. is an episode uh, of Unsolved Mysteries about similar sightings of three lights in the sky. And then it's all, you know. But, of course, you know, there's no real recreations. or <laughs> You know, I mean, it's all, like, made up or whatever. But the way that they shot that show is just, it is very weird and creepy and uh, it really worked at the time. It's funny. I'm thinking about like it's like a chicken and the egg thing. I can't remember what came first, but when X Files hit, I think it just hit at the right time. It did. I mean, Unsolved Mysteries was, was big. Sightings. Yeah. Um, there was some other. Remember they had that the Alien Autopsy show. I mean, just the right well, we, time. And we all grew up with it too. I mean, yeah. think about it. Like we're we're kids post. I mean, I guess we are still part of the Amblin generation for the most part. Like, I'm, we're offshoot of it. You are, especially, Justin. But like, oh, I lived the whole thing. I, I remember living through that. Yeah. But to like be able to like, I mean, we had the the Marvel and Splendor of Close Encounters and ET, and I think that built on a on just us being curious about what really was going on and looking up all the alien conspiracies. And I think so much pop culture capitalized on that, especially when you consider the fact that like so much of X Files. And even Unsolved Mysteries is like a post-Watergate thing, right? Like, it's like us, like, obsessed with, like, what the government's hiding. Mm. And I think that, I think those two things, at least for me, speaking personally, I know that that was certainly an obsession. I mean, it's pretty serendipitous and also not really coincidental, I guess, in the sense that, you know, Oliver Stone's JFK is, like, what, two years before the X-Files also? Yeah, 91, I think. I mean, I think a lot of that kind of mixed together for us to just think, like, what is being hidden from us and like, why is there so much evidence to the contrary? And like, you know, or at least, 
quote unquote evidence. Well, we have actually now we do know because there is evidence because the fucking government released a lot of it. So, yeah, creepy stuff. Creepy stuff. Good show. <laughs> Fun show. I think it's uh, it's probably airing somewhere. The old episodes. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I think a lot of it's on YouTube. Probably. Yeah, the oh, ones yeah. I found were on YouTube for sure. And honestly, uh, a couple of things I'm going to mention today are just sitting there. I think. Remember when YouTube was a real stickler for copyright? Mm-hmm. But I think we got to the point that if it's a movie that doesn't really have a strict, if nobody really owns the rights anymore to these yeah. movies and TV shows, they're kind of just, to, to paraphrase it's Tom Noonan in the heat, they're kind of just floating out there. You know, you just got to know where, where to get them. Where to grab yeah, them. Exactly. Too. It's just too, too taxing to have people constantly taking that stuff down and searching yeah, all, it's just, all day. It's kind of like music. It. It's just it's out there. It's impossible. So, all this stuff is just out there. Hey, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm yeah. sure the creators are pissed off, but oh well. Speaking <laughs> of out there, um, mm. so in in the mid '80s, Steven Spielberg was responsible for <laughs> creating a show called Amazing Stories. Oh yes, here we go. I know what you're doing. Many uh, a director and actor guest starred uh, on this show, and I believe it was Martin Scorsese himself, yes, who directed the episode. Called Mirror Mirror. Uh, now let me just set this up uh, to get to, to 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 give anything too much away would really spoil the ending. And God, it's worth watching and not knowing the ending. An egotistical horror novelist dismisses the supernatural in real life, but he is forced to reconsider his disbelief when he finds himself pursued by a bizarre figure with a misshapen face, mis- misshapen face, a strange thing. He can only see the man when he looks in the mirror. So essentially this thing is, he looks in the mirror. This thing is, is a certain amount of way behind him, right? Every time he looks in the mirror, it gets a little closer and walks a little, moves a little closer. So it's, of course he just spirals the paranoia and it's just a great episode. Great ending. Uh, I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I still feel like it would hold up. Uh, and, Jeez, just <laughs> I get chills thinking of because I remember watching it with Justin when we were really young, and I, I we think we walked into it. We didn't know what we were watching exactly because it was because they yeah. re-aired Amazing Stories in the nineties. I think it was on the Sci Fi Channel, and they weren't always like horror. No, 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 no. some of them were like, like really like fun and sweet or you know? dramas, you know. And this was but, not that. <laughs> well, you know, this is also, I mean, when they aired it, this was before we even could hit, like, the guide button to see what it was. If you didn't have, like, a TV guide readily available, you didn't know what it was. And so I, I had no idea it was Martin Scorsese. I didn't know it was an Amazing Stories episode. Yeah. I, I just, it was in the middle of the afternoon, and I still, even to this day, I get freaked out by it. I, I did stumble upon it. I don't think it's available anymore, but it, that it's episode really is creepy. And it's, I mean, I feel like Scorsese only really directed... One other, like what you would call a horror, maybe two other. I guess Shutter Island is more of a thriller, though, and I think Cape Fear is yeah. more of a thriller. But this was like a horror, supernatural, yeah. and it was so good. I I wonder why he never decided to go back to that. It was, it was an incredible episode. It is strange. Not his thing, maybe I don't know. Maybe what if he just like went all in on like a fucking ghost movie for like. <laughs> After he great. does like Killers of the Flower Moon or something, you know what this kind of sounds like? This reminds me of. Oh, by the um, way, the lead. I don't know if you said this, Mac. It's Sam Waterston. Yeah, oh, I couldn't. Love Sam I, I was just trying to find the cast list here, and uh, yeah, he's great in it. Law and Order's own. This <laughs> does seem familiar to like a couple things, like Mirror Image, then Twilight Zone. It reminds in the same way of like something ominous in the, either the distance or something that you can't quite catch, but it keeps 
just getting more and more magnified mm-hmm. as the episode goes. But also, it seems like King absolutely cribbed for this for the road virus uh, heads north, with, which is the the short story about like a painting where something just keeps showing where the the, the murder is going to get closer and closer to you. Oh yeah, isn't that the you one? Know? Isn't that Skeleton Crew? No, no, it's in um everything's eventual. Um, oh it's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, 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 about the mirror one and Skeleton yeah. and Skeleton Crew. There's also a mirror one about the. Uh, Oh, I know the you're attic. talking about. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking I think about. it's a mirror, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. The Reaper's image? No, but, but Mike, the Reaper's you have, image. Have, the you Reaper's seen, image. have you seen this? No, this sounds oh, fucking man, great. Mike, you, uh, oh, Mike, you'll, you'll it. love it. Watch yeah, it, yeah, without, watch it with the lights out. Ooh, maybe some like popcorn. Like McFarlane would say. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's my that's my first pick, yeah. You know who was also... I mean, I feel like there were a lot of horror veterans that came out there. Didn't Mick Garris work on a shitload of amazing stories also? Yes. Uh, I think that's how we got close to a lot of those people. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I, they got to be straight. I feel like, didn't they? They tried to do like a redux for it for Apple TV Plus. Didn't they take did. Off and they well. actually had a whole season, but nobody talked about it. God, it's fucking Nobody crazy. talks about most stuff that's on Apple TV. I know. Well, we, we just talked about that on the Losers Club with Lisey's story about how like, is anyone ever going to watch that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Justin, your That'll pick. loss. I know, right, seriously. Well, I was thinking about this list, and I mean, obviously, look, we love horror here at the Halloweenies, and we could go on and on about you know cer- certain things we've seen in recent years, but I was thinking about stuff that truly just disturbed me, because, you know, I, I love It Follows, for example, hereditary, recent horror that really does kind of scare you as opposed to just having a good time at the movies, but stuff that really sticks with you and maybe even alters your brain forever is the stuff that you see when you're really young. For instance, the stuff that we've already talked about. The stuff that we watched when we were like 10 years old, right. you know, 10, 11 years old. We're not firing up, oh, I'm going to talk. No, granted, there's some stuff recently that I don't want to step on. So I'm looking back in time. This is going to be really off the beaten path here. It's a show debut. This episode was January 24th, 1979. So Jesus. I remember watching this. It was in syndication for years and years. And it was on, and I watched it in Phoenix, Arizona in the late 80s. And it was... Season 3, episode 19 of 8 is Enough, uh, starring Dick Van Patten and uh, Betsy Buckley, or Betty Buckley from, uh, from Carrie, the, yeah. the teacher in Carrie. She's also a great Broadway star. And Dick Van Patten, you've seen, and he's like the, the king in Spaceballs. You, everybody knows. You'll, you'll know if yeah. you see him. Yeah. Um, but this episode came around when I watched it, at least, shortly after I saw Psycho for the first time. And now Psycho is famously my first kind of adult horror movie that I ever saw. I'll read you the, the plot of Eight is Enough, which was, by the way, a lighthearted family drama in the late 70s, early 80s. Like, it was not, there was no laugh track, but it was kind of just like a lighthearted family drama. They dealt with some stuff, but it wasn't too serious, wasn't too goofy. Uh, so the plot was, I just, I'm noticing now, this wasn't even a Halloween episode, it was January. Of 1979? strange. But this was... It so was oh, the episode was episode called released in January? This is enough episode was January 24th, 1979. Wow. But it, it was called Horror Story. And the plot is, when the power suddenly goes out all over Sacramento... Like, this is like the whitest show you've ever seen in your life, by the way. <laughs> when the power suddenly goes out all over Sacramento, the Bradfords are left in rather sticky predicaments. Tom and Abby get stuck in the elevator, while most of the others are stuck at the house with a man who creepily looks like Norman Bates. Um, so they, the way it's filmed, they don't film it for laughs. They kind of play it really straight. Like you're thinking, oh, wow, maybe in season three of this family drama, somebody's going to get murdered for some reason. <laughs> um, it, like, it, but I, I even watching it yesterday on the, on the wonderful archive.org, 
It's digitally remastered. So it looks like I'm watching something from yesterday, even though you can't find this episode anywhere else legally streaming it's anywhere. It's so strange. Like, but they, I was watching. It was all coming back to me. It starts off with this one of the, the daughters is watching Psycho, and she's getting creeped out by it. And that night, and the guy looks just like I remember him looking 33 years ago. This guy looks just like Anthony Perkins. And, and there's like a power so He knocks in the house. He's like, there's something wrong. And they let him in. And like, oh, my God, he looks so like Anthony Perkins. And that just stuck with me. That creeped me out. And the whole episode, like I said, they, they play it pretty straight. Another family member is stuck in a rainstorm in her car. And there's like somebody like kind of surrounding the car. But, of course, everything is explained. The power goes back on. The elevator works again. The guy next door is looking for his lost dog or some bullshit. And then the, the Norman Bates character Turns was around. genuinely looking to help them because lights had gone out. And he knew that they were all alone. But, man, I, I, I'll send a picture. This guy looks just like Anthony Perkins. And, again, when you're eight, nine years old yeah. and you're thinking about Psycho, how scary Psycho is, and this guy pops up in your, in your freaking normal, normie family drama that's in syndication that should be safe, it really uh, threw me for a loop. Do so you think- I have to say, it's crazy, but eight is enough horror story really disturbed me in my youth. I, I wonder if this happens anymore. Like the stumble upon, you know, because yeah. it, it, well, cable is so important gone. with that. Yeah, that's right? gone. It's gone. I mean, it's really is. I mean, unless you have like Pluto TV or some shit like that, but like, it's just not the same. And I mean, especially the the mentality of what you know channel surfing was. I mean, I would get home. Sure, there was some regular things I would my go tos, but for the most part, I would flip. And sometimes I would stumble upon things like that's how I found out about, I mean, for fuck's sake, child's play. I mean, I it was playing one day and that's how I just stumbled upon it. And I remember being scared and turning it off. And it, it's in the same thing with this eight and is enough probably for you where you were probably flipping around. You, you saw this, you caught it and it stuck with you. And I, and I think that's so important for like, especially in your formative years when you're like, when things are just, you're like soaking up everything. And I, and I think that's yeah. so, I mean, that's the same, that's what happened with me with unsolved mysteries. I mean, it was, it was a stumble upon for sure. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think it's one of those things where, especially when you're, when you're that young, if you're just channel surfing and you come across something that you think you're not supposed to be watching, yep. you immediately get really invested and you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I can see that happening. Even though that show, Justin, like you said, seemingly is just like a normal sitcom or whatever, you know, like. Like that would you'd be like something's something's off here something's wrong. There's something off. That's what it really was. Like, and that shouldn't be watching. on this show. Why is and this happening? That's what makes it so disarming, right? I mean, that's what David Lynch was so good at in early on was that. I mean, that's literally what Blue Velvet is all about. Yep, is <laughs> like the disarmament of of uh, you know the the peaceful tranquil American life and just the, the you know the underbelly that's within. And I mean, that's Lynchian in itself. So. I mean, more often than not, that tends to be scarier than the things that try to be scary. So I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Toss up those pencils in the air and spit out your sunflower seeds because... Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. My next pick is the X-Files. Now, you all know what I'm going to pick. I This was... This is an episode that, we, look, we all talked about X-Files the next day all the time, especially, which is actually pretty astounding because when I was growing up, especially this time of this episode's airing, X-Files was on the Fridays. So you mm-hmm. had to go literally three days, two days, until you got to the school on Monday to talk about it. And I'll never forget 
the Monday after this. So this is this debuted January thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. So probably the fourteenth, fifteenth, the sixteenth, January sixteenth, nineteen ninety five at lunch. I'll never forget. Uh, what was her name Kristen Barker? Or it was Lauren Parker. I can't remember either. Either one of them talking about. Oh my God! Did you watch the X Files? And that was when. And I and I and I remember watching it. And I remember, saying, yeah, yeah. And I was surprised that they had watched it. And they're like, that was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. And and I, you know, and I at that time I had already seen like Silence of the Lambs, so it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm 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 I'm, I'm there. And it just really, I could see the ripple effects of it and everyone was talking about it. And that is Irresistible, season two, episode 13. Oh, yeah. For Excellent. me, I well, What still, season was that again, Mike? Season two. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, you know, Donnie Faster, Nick Chinlin. I don't think there's anyone in the X-Files lore. I mean, granted, they, they derail his character eventually in a few seasons later, but in this point, I don't think there's a darker, more disturbing episode than this one. And it's because unlike the ghosts and the monsters of the week and the UFOs, obviously this was kind of a real monster. And a lot of it deals with Scully's PTSD. So, you know, Donnie faster becomes more of like a a demon, which they lean into in the fucking follow-up episode, which is stupid, but yeah, no, go ahead, Mike. I, That's the I have, error. I have something I want 100%. to say. About. But but in this episode, he's really just a fetishist, like a death fetishist who who murders women. He exhumes corpses. He saves their hair, saves their fingernails. And this is coming at a time when I mentioned, you know, America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I think I was still figuring out that like this shit is happening left and right. And I would, you know, we saw a lot of kids that were getting lost and all this other stuff. And I think a lot of the kids, especially in my generation, were really scared of this type of these type of people. And so to see it creep into the X-Files, it's almost like the opposite of what we just talked about. It's like, wait, this is a horror show about, (laughs) you know, mythological things. Why is something real like this creeping in? And Mm -hmm. it was like the same sort of feeling that you're discussing with is enough. And even now, like this is an episode I I sometimes skip when I'm doing rewatches because it's just not a fun episode. It's so oh, disturbing. It's, so unpleasant. Oh, yeah. it's I really actually unpleasant. watch the, anytime I watch any of the seasons, I start with this episode. Actually, oh yeah, right. You're like you're like <laughs> on repeat, like, like beating off in the corner to uh, Danny well, Fasco. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is such a fucking dark episode and. Yeah. It's funny too because like I had, I had read that like I guess they had uh, written Donnie Faster is supposed to be a necrophiliac, which Fox right, was a like, too dark no, back can't then. do this. Now We're not like, doing that. No problem. No yeah, problem, they'd be like, then. oh, please I put it in. F- see, I feel like one of those things where you know censorship works in your favor because I feel like when I watched it, I kind of felt like that was what was going on, even though they mm-hmm. didn't show it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I will say. As someone who always leaned more into the episodes that give me the ghouls, ghosts, goblins, and and little green men, there's like a two second moment towards the end of the episode where you're like, maybe something else is going on here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think as a, as an adult watching it, it it doesn't matter. It still works both ways, but yeah. to me, it's just. But I like that they don't answer it in that episode. That's that's more creepy. It's always more creepy to let the the viewer kind of decide or or not 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 settle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then oh, they're totally. left like frustrated, like, well, was he or is he? But and and does that matter? Or 
are, is is everybody ha- are capable of that kind of darkness? Like, well, and the thing is, it shouldn't very, matter, and very, they decide they decide to make it matter in the second one, where it's just I obvious know. what the situation is. And I mean, it doesn't affect it ultimately doesn't affect the first one at all because no, it's just no, another episode right, years right. later, and you know. Yeah. But that, I mean, that first one is still so good, yeah. and yeah. written by Chris Carter. Yeah, who I mean, at that point, season two, he is just the MVP. Like yeah. he's so fucking good in that in that run, and I still argue season two is probably still my favorite run of the XLs. Like a few years ago, we did a whole ranking of all the seasons. You could argue for any of those first. They're four, fucking great, especially. Really? Yeah, I still love some later seasons, but those first four kind of like you. Could, there's reasons why. There's reasons you could defend any of those seasons. Well, if you want a good spooky run for Halloween. Just do the run that Irresistible's in from season two. It's just like one after another of just terrifying fucking Monsters of the Week episodes, and they're awesome. So, yeah, I mean, great choice. Love X Files. I apologize, Matt, because I know that we all love that. Was this was the show that I thought that was going to be the one that we? This is why I deliberately avoided it because I assumed that somebody else. Well, there's one other show I avoided because of that. So, Ah, um, well, I had one queued up, but I'll save it. I'll save it for another day. Okay. Uh, or po- or perhaps when we're banding around at the very end of this episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll well, have to yeah. mention it. Well, what but, you, or you could just throw it out now. I mean, if you want to. I mean, well, I don't want to get into the. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Okay. I, okay. I don't want to ruin Fair the enough. flow of the episode. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah. So my second is, it's a pilot of a show. Tales from the Dark Side. Oh man! Trick, trick or treat. Oh man. Is that, I have the Tales of the Dark Side also. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I can't Justin. Got to think of something else. Oh, man. Now, this <sighs> is an episode. Is the pilot of the show. Bernard Hughes plays Gideon Hackles, essentially an old man who's kind of got the deed on everybody. And the everyone's borrowed money from him, et cetera, et cetera from the, the town. And every year on Halloween, he creates like a haunted house and has the kids of the town come in. And if any of the kids can make it through the house... Then like he'll let the, the parents out of the off the out of their debt, right? So it's like one of those weird situations where you have the parents like forcing the kids to go in this haunted house. And let's just say one Halloween he has a visitor of his own, and uh, where where it doesn't work so well in Irresistible Part Two, <laughs> it really works in Trick or Treat. Oh yeah, it's really fun and scary. And again, you know, I was thinking of these this list, and this my third my third pick is not something that scared me when I was a kid, but I do think that these still hold up and they're still really fun mm-hmm. and scary. And you have to suspend your disbelief. You know what I mean? You really have to put yourself in the time in which these were made. You can't scoff at effects. You've really got to just watch it on your own, lights out, headphones on, preferably, I feel, when when you have headphones on and the music and everything's streaming right to your ear, I think that it's like there's no escape from what you're looking at, even if you close your eyes. You know, it's just, it's really effective. So uh, I would absolutely suggest watching this. It was directed by Bob Balaban. Oh, love Balaban. Written, written by Franco Murray and George A. Romero. Oh, so who, cr- Romero who created the show. Episode. Wow. No, no. So, oh, and also, you got Alf's own Max Wright. Oh, <laughs> uh, King's Dominion. In the episode, so. That's right. He works for him, um, I think. Yeah. You know but what's crazy? Got, but you said Bernard Hughes, right, is the, is the old man. Yes. And, um, you know Bernard Hughes he's, is? He's, he's fabulous. He's Grandpa in he's gra- um, yeah, Lost Boys. he's Grandpa in Lost Boys. And Blossom. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about that's that? right? That's right. Did you know this? This this literally came out a year after Creepshow. This pilot, 
Oh, really? oh I'm not surprised. They're probably yeah. like, this is a good idea to do an anthology series. Yeah. Yeah. Because Richard Rubenstein was also behind that too, and he was playing Creepshow. Yep. And it's... famously Creepshow Three. In, the, in terms of creepy so theme songs, all right, so I just got to throw this out here because I think it's related. Oh, yeah. Creepy theme songs, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, The X-Files, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Who wins out in terms of the creepy? Tales from the Dark Side for me is yeah. the opening credits alone with that yeah. music. Yeah, is same. You know, and yeah. I've mentioned this before. I Ugh. can't remember if it was on Losers Club or Halloweenies, but there was one year I went to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, and they had a... There was like a street you walked down to get to this haunted circus, and they would play the theme song to Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, God. And, you know, just on loop, essentially. And it was so creepy because, you know, it, they just tap into that. And when you first watch it, like, it, it by no means should, you just don't think it's, it should be scary. But, man, it, it just gets under your skin. Well, it's that it's that hour I always talk about, and honestly, it's when I've been walking lately, where it's just twilight, and it's just you you have that safe veneer of the daylight that's still there, and then mm-hmm. once it yeah. once it switches, you're like, oh wait a second, everything looks different, and the the, the little opening credits of that captures it perfectly. I, I, I know, agree. I know. It it, um, it reminds me of it's kind of like the the dead zone credits, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. Um, where it's just yeah. like seemingly a simple town, but like something's off. And I think that's, a, I think that is, is going to be a little bit of a through line here. It's like, there's always, there's, there's something off about yep. these episodes in a good way, you know? Largely non-existent to stream at this point anymore. I don't know what the fuck happened to them. I, I used to, because I was streaming for a while and then they, last time I checked, they were gone. Yeah. They'll show up po- again on something. Possible, I'm sure. possible to possibly streaming on Tubi <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Won. Justin, all right. Yeah, f- fuck the rules. Tales from the dark side. I have to do this episode. Oh. I'm breaking the rules. Because well, right. to be honest, the alternate, my alternate was going to be Zebo that you mentioned earlier, Mike. Well, you can <laughs> still mention it. I don't, well, I don't have know. any information. Look, uh, it was the second episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tale of the Laughing in the Dark. Great episode. Tales of the Dark Side, Season 4, <laughs> Episode 14, I know what May doing. 8th, 1988, The Cuddy Black Sow. I, I, I thought oh, that you were going to have Justin. this. Mac, yeah. I thought that when you mentioned that, that's what I thought you were going for. It's, it's, it's right up there, but yeah, I had to well, I had to. Well, let me break this down, too. Let me break this down. So, again, this was on syndication, you know, and, and I, I guess I probably watched it the week it was on. It was in rerun time. I probably watched this the week it was on, living in Phoenix in, in mid-'88. And the backstory for this is, is it stars this little boy, very effective young actor. His name was Huck, his name is Huckleberry Fox, by the way. I'm a, probably not even a stage name with these crazy kids back in the day. <laughs> but what, what I remember him from, and a lot of people back in the era, in that age, he was the little cute kid in the Crunch and Munch commercials <laughs> back in the eighties. Like he would be at the, at the table, like oh, I want to get my Crunch and Munch, you know, really cute kid. He's basically the same character in this. So we're watching and thinking, oh, okay, this is gonna be a well, maybe it'll be a little creepy, but it'll be fine. It's a, it's a little kid from Hunch, you know, Crunch and Munch commercials. And here's the plot. <laughs> Young Jamie receives and takes seriously a deathbed warning from his great-grandmother to guard against the legendary Cuddy Black Sow. So she, she passes away. He's, he's home at night with his sister, I believe, and his parents have to go out to a party, so he's left alone. And he keeps thinking he sees... This cutty black sow. 
And of course, everything's fine throughout the episode until the very end. And I think, didn't we watch this together, Mike? Didn't I finally did. find it with Randall? Yeah, we watched it at Randall's old place. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. But yeah. we, I was, you know, I think this is, might be why I'm so allergic to a lot, a lot of hug me horror because there's definitely a hug in this episode, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> it's not the type of hug you're expecting. Yeah. And this has stayed with me. It's one of the most unforgiving uh, horror endings I've ever seen. It was a syndicated horror TV show. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And if you can find it out there, it still works really well. It's just a really creepy uh, monster ghost story. And written, I, I said a little research, written by Michael McDowell, who also was on the scripts for Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas and adapted Thinner for Tom Holland. Wow. Wow. And the director is Richard Glass, literally his only credit for anything on IMDb. What? That's crazy because this is extremely well directed. Is he related to Philip Glass? Maybe he just went to... Tinker yeah. the piano. He was like, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, uh, give me a shot. Yeah, but I, I had to break the rules because once we decided we were going to do this episode, I was like, okay, well, I got to do the Cuddy Block style. Yeah. So, well, look, shout out to Tales from the Dark Side. Shout out to Tales from the Dark Side. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, yeah, creepy. now that you broke the rules, it's better time that you flee the States uh, and join <laughs> me across the pond, Governor, uh, for an episode of Black Mirror. Mm. Ooh, I think Recent- I, I, I had one on my list too, but, but go for it. So it's a the post series two Christmas special White Christmas. I okay. December sixteenth, twenty fourteen. I don't want to spoil anything about this episode because it's really important that you don't have the details spoiled. So you know, especially for those who haven't seen it, and they might not have because this was around the time they were still doing the BBC run. So it was you know you really had to have the BBC to fucking watch it. But in a word, cold, and uh, in two words, ice cold. Um, you know, as is the case with the all the best Black Mirror episodes. I think the commentary of this one is really rich, especially when you think about how we just freely mute and block people online. But really what gets to me is just kind of the unnerving revelation at the end and um, the ramifications also that come with Mm it. And kind of given where we're going technologically, you you keep hearing things, you know, through Google alerts and on Twitter just like things that have been going on um, and technological advancements. And you look back at Black Mirror episodes, especially this one, and you're like, man, we're really not that far off from doing something like this. And it's scary. Like, it's fucking scary. And this is, you talk about something that sticks with you before. You know, it's eight, and eight is enough. Like, this is one that I saw on Christmas time of 2014 yep. at my ex-wife's house. And... This one, it just gave me pause, and it still gives me this like dreadful hypnosis. I've only seen it once. I'll probably never watch it again. Well, Mike, I have a question for you. I'm racking my brain because this was a special. Yeah. It was a Christmas special. I think, weren't there like three stories? There are. There are three stories. They're interweaving. Uh, it, like John Hamm and Rafe Spall are like the main. I remember they're that. told by that's them. the through line, basically. Yeah, yeah it's I the through that. line of that. And then they yeah. have like three uh, seemingly uh, singular stories that are actually somewhat interlocked together so that's right. it's that's right it's uh it's uh, for me this was probably at the time when they were gonna be like all right black mirror this was good this was a fun run and i in hindsight they should have done it because i agree because it, it just goes downhill from there yeah unfortunately. well now it's when, just, when it became it american got involvement a, they've yeah. got a chip in their head yeah that's what, that's what they all are now you know but, yeah. but this felt, this felt like such a, in a like such a button 
on everything that they were trying to say. And it wove in like all the themes that they had for the first two seasons prior to that. And it's so fucking nihilistic. And that's something that you just, I mean, you still get it sometimes in a lot of newer Black Mirror episodes, but like nothing like this. Like this is like, like Richard Matheson level of like singular terror. And I love it. I love it. Well, it it still felt extremely fresh. And I think that was, it was the first crossover episode, wasn't it? Yeah, because John Hamm was in there, and yeah. that was a really it had been all British. All I think, of the British. first season or two. Yeah, yeah. 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 It seems yeah. like thirty-five years ago, but really was only eight years ago. I but, know it's crazy to think. I think I watched the episode in bed on mega upload when they were still able. <laughs> we were still able to download stuff. Shortly after you're doing the Friday Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, I, did. I watched Friday Night Lights a year before everybody else because nobody in the world right. had Direct TV. Yeah, I watched. Um, this this show called Ashes to Ashes, which was a sequel oh, to wow. the That's show Life one. on Mars. Yeah. Still that is still unavailable it. in the States. It was on BBC America. Yeah. But if you missed it, you're uh, screwed because now you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. So. The only good thing about that is that by the time it finally comes out, I'll be ready to rewatch Life on Mars. Uh, Life on yeah. Mars because it's been so long. Very good show. Yeah. But yeah. let me let Thank me, let me, let me throw out the two real quick that I couldn't do. It's Squeeze, Max Files. Totally. Tombs. Speaking yeah. of one of two. Yeah. The ending of that episode where he's just looking at the the little slot in the jail mm. and that music's yeah. playing and Mark Snow's music that just yes. chilling. Yeah. Uh definitely check that out. And then you know I will say Mac to cut you off. Yeah. Is I, I think the sequel to that is actually still pretty good. It is. The same I think season. Tombs is, good. Tombs is good too. But it's, Squeeze, not, it's not like the sequel to the Donnie Faster one, but by I any think means. it's still good. I think it's just the le- less is more like we just don't get enough of him in the first one where it's like it's a lot of it's still like left to your imagination, I think. Yeah, true, true. And it's very, yeah, because after Tombs, I couldn't look at an Escalator the same way again. Mm. Who do you think is creepier, Tombs or uh, the, the actor who plays him? That's a great question, Mike. Yeah. Um, mm. I think the actor who plays him is pretty creepy. Great yeah, actor, though. Too bad. Great yeah, actor. Great I know. character actor. Great unfortunate. In things, great unfortunate. in as Percy in The Green Mile yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. What was your other one? The other one was. Uh, was White Bear. Oh, yeah. Um, from season two of uh, of Black Mirror. I, I th- that is just unnerving. Um, is that I know the, the one? I know it ends in a... It, it, the ending is is good, but it, at the most of the episodes I'm talking about, where it's just you just don't know what's going on. And it's really... It's just with the chased. actor from Being Human, from right? Being Human. Yes, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. The twist is um, a little... You know, they, 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 do this, they do the same twist a couple years later with the... Uh, the kid who's watching porn and gets caught. Yeah. Just a similar twist. Mm, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, very good episode, Mac. Good it stuff. is. Yeah. For, it's, it's good. All right. Well, my last and th- my final pick. So I wanted to pick something. I was like, I'm like, what have I watched recently that really disturbed me? And I've had a hard time thinking of it because we've been very dismissive of this gentleman lately, <laughs> but Mike Flanagan, it's, mm, it's yeah. for me. It's the bent neck lady episode yeah. of the first season of of the Haunting of Hill House, or, or the only season, I guess. But that so much of that show, like the ending or not, whatever, so much of that show is just dreadful. Like it, 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 it's just a chore to watch because it is just it runs you through the ground. And that episode, I just remember being. Even if you can call, even if you can call it, it just, your heart sinks at the end of that episode. And I just think it's really effective 
and really well done. And, I agree. A thousand and something, percent. And, yeah, something, a and something I want to say about the, that show, other shows aside, I understand people not liking the ending because, you know, the, the book's just perfect. But, you know, it it's so depressed. The whole show is so depressing. I, di- I, di- I genuinely was like, okay, that's all right. Because <laughs> I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. I think the last episode is a little precious, but anyways, bent neck lady, that genuinely as an adult, I was just like, oh my god, you know. And I think that he he's really good at throwing in those random ghosts in the in the house. Um, that is just chilling enough. Where I, I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many people I talked to after watching these episodes, and I'm like, did you did you see it? Did you see it? And they're like, no. And, and, you know, like different, like just different ghosts in the house. There's like little things. I almost chose this it's, one. It's too. a really well structured like, yeah. episode. I, yeah. I, I think it's a great episode. Yeah. Let me. I've really thought about this as to why I'm kind of getting. You said word allergy earlier, but I'm kind of allergic to a lot of flag and stuff. Is because I mean, listen, he's the origin of why we do the hashtag Hug Me Horror. Yes, yeah. I mean, he takes the innocence, the book. You know, the turn of the screw, the innocence, that's what Bly Manor is based on. Incredibly disturbing uh, material, very dark ending. And he takes The Haunting. Haunting of Hill House is based on, and of course the book, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Incredibly haunting, dark ending. And he gives you like a sweet little hug and makes you want to cry at the end. I feel like he makes a lot of this stuff just so he can run on Twitter and get the reaction from people saying that they cried or something. I mean, I, I, I don't know why he has this need to kind of pull back. I do feel like it started around like this time because you look back at Oculus and Oculus is a fucking guttural yeah. punch. And so is Before I Wake. And so is a lot of like... Um, oh, and well, so is his first other, his other movie that is it's pretty good. It's, I forgot, uh, I forgot the name of it. No, no, no. No, it's his first one. The big, the, I know you're talking about. It's a the, dark ending. The low it's budget a dark one. Ending. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, what was the? Um, was it Hush? That's the one where it's, it actually started that way because it became kind of like a, you know, an arc of like you know the the sort of triumph of the will of like you know being able to get over your own like fears and demons and stuff like that and being Look, able to triumph I, over them and I, all and absentia. By the way, is what I'm thinking of absentia. I understand yeah, yeah. that there's a a need and a want for films like that. And I think that for people going through really difficult things, if you're turning to horror, there's a, there is a subgenre now it's called hug me horror and you could get those lessons and you can get, you can feel like we've, you've battled the evil and you've overcome it and you're stronger for it and still enjoy a horror movie. Great. Not my, not my cup of tea. That's where I'm coming from. And that's why, and, and obviously it does something for people, but it doesn't do anything for me. I want to be scared. I want the dark ending. I, I do think that when you're doing, I guess I didn't mind it so much in that first one because I, I was either. like, yeah. because, you know, the haunting has been done a, a bunch and, you know, whether it's like plays and whatever, it's just been adapted a bunch. And I do. And I feel like, but they the haunt, changed the it so drastically to begin with. I'm like, well, why don't you just have a creepy ending also? So the, that confetti ending, I'm getting goosebumps. I know. Says, I, the, it's all the, confetti. It I was like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I know we're veering off, but wait, what? What confetti ending? <laughs> That's when she's it, at the very end of the haunting of Hill House. She says that line like, "It's in the end, it's all confetti or some bullshit," and it's like supposed to be like this. Oh, that's what she said when she was all. I, yeah, and then it kind no, of just ends. Cringe. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, 
the, to Max, to what Max was saying, oh, to build piggyback on him, it's like at that point, <laughs> it hadn't happened so often that I was like, all right, well, it was kind of a reprieve. I was able to swallow the yeah. pill. Yeah. Then, you know, I was it. I, and I, and you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't jumping up and down going, yes, this is, this is better than the book. Cause they, they did, you're right, Justin, they did change it so much that it, to me, it, it, it was like, well, you could just do whatever you want. So, and, and then in that sense, I was like, well, you did that. You put your own stamp on it. Okay. It wasn't what I would have done, but you know what? You gave us eight, like at least eight episodes of, of pretty good, dreadful, like, oh, terrifying stuff that I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. It was really just the last couple where it just kind of lost its way a little bit for yeah. me. But give you a little hug. Well, I, I mean, Mac, I almost, I did mull over this one and, and I, I, Inevitably, stay away from it for hug me horror thoughts, but because I thought I actually thought you guys would all rack on me for it. But like, no, 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 I, no. Like I said, I, mean, the, I watched all of that. I watched all. I, I watch all of his stuff. Yeah. Because oh yeah. A lot yeah. of it I do like, and I'm I'm so interested in it. And I just feel like a lot of the time he just he just loves the fandom. Like I, I just think that's what he's, he thinks about the fandom before anything. I really do believe that now. The the tall man in the hallway knocking yeah. with the the thing. Oh, I remember watching that. Sammy had just moved here, and we were watching on my laptop in pitch black mm-hmm. in my room and I, I i remember like we had to like watch like i feel like we had to watch like scrubs or some fucking bullshit like sitcom <laughs> afterwards because i was so scared of like anything tall like I'm, i've told you guys about my abraham lincoln fear as a kid but yeah. like anything tall like the a Cates hat, and gremlins too over here i am basically that but that scene where he the kid looks out and he sees him walking through the hallway in the middle of the dark like the middle of the night with the darkness like that's oh like my, your worst nightmare as a kid oh, absolutely right? my yeah. worst nightmare yeah so yeah, that yeah, stuff uh, would have been but great mike, but yeah. mike in the end it's all confetti you know? it is true it is all confetti you need to have, mike the the artwork for this episode has got to have like confetti falling from the top <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the the criterion uh cover for uh honey pillows no i'm saying for this episode when you're promoting it <laughs> oh you, get put the collage, the confetti you gotta have like confetti at the top falling right. down. yeah yeah mac what, do you have any final thoughts on uh Oh, I was just gonna say that there's a, there's a subtle moment where if you don't catch it, you don't catch it. But there there's a moment in another episode where they're they're like it's broad daylight. They're in the the kitchen, I think, and in one of the armoires, like in the reflection, there's just there's a ghost like looking it's, at the kids. And this it, is a good example. And, and if of, you catch it, it's so scary. Yes. But if you don't catch it, that's why that's why I think with that show, especially that show. It's a rewatch. You've got to rewatch that because you're always going to catch little things you didn't catch the first time. And I think it's really effective. Uh, although uh, dreadful rewatch because it is. I did rewatch those episodes that I feel leading up to the next one because there were things that I wanted to catch or things people said, oh, I saw this. Did you see this? And I go back and I rewatch at least those scenes, you know? Yeah. But um, well, that's yeah, a good per- example of or, East, Easter eggs. Because um, the other day I made a little comment of Easter eggs, but those are good Easter eggs because if you don't notice them, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you notice them, it creeps you out, and that's yeah. that's what Easter egg should be. It shouldn't just be this blatant in your face. Blue milk. You know, Michael Myers has got a, a knitting needle to Lori's yeah. face or something like that. You know, I mean, that sounds pretty fun. It sounds like a subversion that we got. Either reminded me of Mike. I saw that that that, that pic. That reminded me of that scene in the first Halloween. When Laurie stabs Michael with oh. the, uh, the ding needle. Remember I'm not that? sure if that was intentional Wait, or not, but that, we'll definitely find right. out. That did happen in, mm, the, in the original. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Had, we, are there commentary tracks for these new Halloween movies? It'd be interesting if we like actually like did a live commentary, commentary track you should be listening on to those commentary tracks. Yeah. All right. Okay. Round it out. What's, uh, what's your third? Going back to when I was a kid, uh, there was this great VHS called Creepy Classics that Vincent Price hosted. And it would just oh, be this, it was basically, you can find it on YouTube. You can find all the stuff on YouTube. And it was just this 30-minute clip show of kind of old 50s, 60s B 
B movie, pretty much B horror movies, uh, Roger Corman movies. They do have like Night of the Living Dead in there too, but they also have a clip from um, I Was a Teenaged Werewolf. Now this was years before I had any notion that this would also be incorporated into Stephen King's It or anything. I just remember being amazed that it was played by a very young Michael Landon. Now for all you kids out there, Michael Landon, you look back, was a huge TV star from 1959 to 1989. Because after he was in Iowa as a teenage werewolf, I think for 13 years, he was on Bonanza. Then for another seven years, he was on, or another eight years, he was on Highway to Heaven. I'm sorry, no, Little House on the Prairie. And then for another seven years, he was on Highway to Heaven. So 30 years of just constant work. But he is the teenage werewolf in that aforementioned movie. And in the episode that aired on October 28th, 1987, season four, episode five of Highway to Heaven, Michael Landon wrote and directed a Halloween episode of that show called I Was a Middle-Aged Werewolf. Now, the plot of this show is his character, uh, Jonathan. It's basically a touch, touch by an angel before touch by an angel. Yeah. He goes around. He's like a, he's a, he's a new angel. He goes around. He's being escorted by this character named Mark. Um, taking him around the country, helping people, basically. He's like a guardian angel, you know? And Michael Landon's like, TV dad heaven, so you believed he was actually an angel. Well, this episode starts off with the character Mark literally watching I Was a Teenaged Werewolf and telling Jonathan how much he looks like the actor. I mean, it's very meta. It's very aware of itself. Uh, But as the episode goes on, Mark falls asleep while Michael Landon goes out to help. Eldon Henson, little Eldon Henson, the, the actor... From Idle Hands, he plays Foggy on Daredevil. He's like six years old in this episode. Oh, wow. So he's helping him kind of take a little light revenge on these bullies. And he becomes the werewolf from I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Like as as a magic trick, basically. And so, I mean, it's pretty creepy when you look back. But that, even as a kid, I was like, wait, what the hell's going on here? His friend Mark is back home having nightmares about the movie. And he dreams... That Jonathan comes back to the house and turns around. He's like looking off. You don't see his face. He turns around. He's full makeup werewolf. And there's a scene later on where he's got the same nightmare. You think everything's fine. He goes to the kitchen, opens up the fridge, and Michael Landon jumps out in the werewolf makeup. It scared the shit out of me. He jumps (laughs) out of the fridge and starts attacking him. And so, you know, of course, at the very end, this stuff actually does happen. He does break down the door, and he's, you know, Jonathan, he's the, the werewolf. And just as he's about to kill Mark, he stops, looks at the camera and says, happy Halloween. Freeze frame <laughs> ending. I thought, I watched it today. Oh my God. Uh, it's great. Chills now. So fun. And a little horror connection is his son is Christopher Landon, mm. the writer director of Happy yes. Death Day, Happy Death Day 2 and, and Freaky. So nice. he wrote a really nice message to his, because I guess his dad, his, Michael Landon had a pretty young of cancer in 1991 and last year Christopher Landon had cancer I don't know if you remember oh, that man. and he wrote um, I guess on his anniversary he said we, we said goodbye 30 years ago today blows my mind how fast times go but I kept my promise and I've lived and loved as hard as I can until we meet again so they had a good relationship but anyway great episode a really fun episode and uh, I rewatching it today I haven't seen it in 30 years and I still vividly remember everything that happened like I didn't, I didn't misremember anything you know there was no nostalgia it was all vivid but yeah that scared the hell out of me as a kid and then of course revisiting it and having it come back again yeah. how about that you know 
Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we have one more that we kind of have to all agree on. Oh yeah. We doubled up on a few, but we we didn't put Are You Afraid of the Dark on here. And you mentioned Zebo. That would be my vote. I, I think that that out For of kids. It, it especially there's some other episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that still work. Like I think the one with the X-ray eyes is pretty fucking scary. But like Yeah, that could be well, that was a creepy I had, ending, I, I had nightmares about that. That one's kidding. so creepy. The but, mall one ends. Well, because oh. I like a lot of these endings we're kind of on the topic. I was thinking about some of these endings of these Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, like the one with where the kid thinks that there's vampires next door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it turns out it's actually the adults are taking care of a vampire, as it turns yeah. out. It's amazing. Like, those had like scary endings. Yeah. But Mike Flanagan's terrified <laughs> to give you scary endings. Like, I don't understand. Like, what is the deal here? We I know. Fucking well, Nickelodeon shows that are, that are like not pulling well, their most punches. Most of the Are You Afraid of the Dark ep- episodes usually ended pretty like gnarly. I remember one that yeah. was like he, the kid ends up being like he's like a pinball wizard, mm-hmm. and then he's in the mall and he's still in the pinball machine. You think he got out, but he didn't yeah. get out. Yeah, which is so God. fucking dark. But Zebo's so like chilling, and I and I we had put it on like a few years ago. I guess there's a, there was a YouTube feed of like all of them on there, and we just had them on the background one afternoon while we, while Sammy was napping, and just that first episode of Zebo, which it kicks off at, it sets such a high watermark because it's so mean, it's so eerie, and it uses like so many tropes that we are familiar with from 80s movies, but also ones that would come to define a lot of movies from the 90s. And it still works for me, in my opinion. I, I, I can watch it now and get creeped out. It was the second episode, because the first mm. one was the uh, the hitchhiker guy. Remember that Okay, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he does appear in this as the carnival barker. But I remember this was on SNCC, and SNCC was a brand new Saturday evening programming thing. They had, it was a great lineup. It was Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse. Ren and Stimpy, Roundhouse, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's like this great two-hour block for years. And yeah, this was one of the inaugural shows. And think about this, though. This, the power of this show also is that people are now officially terrified of clowns. Mm-hmm. Because two years earlier, it had come out. Yep. Yeah. And then 91, ABC re-aired it. Yep. And so then you got 92. This is as, like, as close as you can get for literally being directed towards children. And yeah, it's still creepy. You know what also happened? John Wayne Gacy, who's also a clown. Oh, yeah. Uh, but see, comes I was too young. Too. I didn't know anything about Gacy yeah. when I was 12 years old. I, it took me a couple of years before I stumbled upon that nightmare, you know? Yeah, that's but, true. But, that's true. But you never see, you don't ever see Zebo walking no. around or doing oh, something. No. It's, it's that's all what's so scary. the aftermath. Yep. And there's like evidence of him being the smoke. around. And it's just, and then the laughter and stuff. It, it, it's really, you know, restrained. And I think that that is. Once again, more scary when than showing us the actual thing. Like if you know how to walk that line, it's are you use the use the viewer's imagination. It's always going to be ultimately more scary than what you can show us. So and they they walk that line in that episode. And it's really fun. Yeah, you always I always wondered like what happens. Like Zebo's going to kill you, right? I mean, like that's what it seemed like. It's just I think he wants. You know, it's it's basically a takeoff on the old folklore the big toe like you mm-hmm. know that kid steals the big toe yeah. it belongs to a giant yeah. the giant wants it back uh yeah, especially it a take off on that but they they're they're in the latter season and i think season three or four so I, I was kind of out at that point but they they were supposed to do a zebo sequel what that, and then it ended up becoming a, a film called the hudsucker proxy <laughs> okay here we go well that now we're done now it's now we are officially done 
uh, the episode. that clown of a movie. Yeah, not a big fan of that one somehow. But <laughs> so is this is are we good to put that as ten or do I'm we have another alternate? Fine. I'm good throwing that on there because this has mostly been about what scared us as children. That's and, true. And, and, you know, that's what and, you should really and, do. And you what, know what scared though, us I, from as kids? What had the biggest impact of on us as kids? With a with a, a sprinkling of adult stuff, I, as long as you yeah. market it that way, people won't be confused. It's like, why are these forty year olds being scared of you know Highway to Heaven? Well, it's funny because well, we well, were going to have it as the me. ten. Nothing scares me now, right? Well, yeah, yeah no, I'm nothing scares man, me you know? except financial instability. That's right. Yeah, I would say, you know, because we, we can't really label this like the ten scariest episodes of television, no, right? No. no, unfortunately, we can't because that's a great title, but we'll we'll kick it around. I, that that'll be that'll be our next task. That we have over the next three days. Well, this is fun. I mean, I apologize to Hollywood. There were no free ideas on this episode, but I, you know, we do have some free suggestions for you listeners out there that you could all stream. Well, out there Mike, with the- I got I got a huge record scratch here. Oh, what happened? I found out the director of this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. He also directed a a, a favorite of mine and Mike Vanderbilt's. Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, sorry, I'm literally scrolling as we do this. He also wrote that, and he wrote Prom Night 2. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Well, he also oh, did Beethoven's wow. uh, Treasure. Treasure he Tale. He sure did. He did so. a bunch of um, Goosebumps episodes, too, for you, uh, you kids. A lot of Christmas movies. We, we probably get paid a lot of money for those Christmas movies. Yeah. Well, there you go. Wow. That's, that's wild. Well, this is fun. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to go through my whole rigmarole that I just did. So let's just talk about what we got next. September, October. Well, we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Hey, it's a That's Sam right. Raimi movie. There are Evil Dead connotations. Mac, you're leading this one. It's going to be uh, right. going to take us to some wild places. Uh, over. Let me just tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we got that episode coming up in a week. And then... Caffrey is going to lead us. Uh, he's going to hit the pedal of metal with uh, the Hitcher. That's going to be our rental on the, in our Patreon. And and uh, that's that's, gonna, that's one of those hug me horror ones too. I think. The oh yeah, that's it's a real <laughs> feel good movie. Let me tell Gather you about up it. Your kids, Jesus it's a good one. Christ, was that tr- C. It, Thomas Howell's uh, rebound after uh, Soul Man, or was that? Uh, before, oh, that was okay. just before Soul Man. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> Soul Man was creeping around the corner. All right, well, that's certainly a not horror, a, horror, a real horror story. Uh, that's just a horror story itself. But uh, and then we got. Haddonfield, Halloween, Halloween Man. ends, The Shape. So much Halloween content around the corner in addition to uh, little surprises, uh, uh, in addition to our, our recorded content. We're going to be doing a live show. Uh, how about that? So mm-hmm. at, at the Music Box, we're going to be uh, presenting uh, Return of the Living Dead 2. I believe we're doing this on the night that Halloween ends comes out as a fuck you to Halloween ends, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. But it is something that we are going to be doing on the October 14th, which is when Halloween ends hits Peacock. And it was, I theaters. think ideally people will go see Halloween and yeah. get out of work or if they're yep. not working that night. And, and then come, come right over and have yeah. a fun time. That'd be great, actually. Yeah. Have yeah. a good time because we'll, we'll, we will have already seen it. Yes. We're, we're, we're the streaming. after party, right? Yeah, we're the we are the after party. party. We're always the after party. Head over to the Music Box Theater, Friday, October 14th, yeah. and uh, we'll be, we can say it's, it's been announced. Yeah. We're going to be doing a live show before we host Return of the Living Dead Part 2 at the Music Box Theater. Yeah. Which It'll probably blast. be... It's a lot of fun. And honestly, the live show will probably be a lot like what we just did now, where it's like a list. Yeah, we're just it's kind of a, yeah, a fun list. Yeah. So uh, we got Strange. We got The Shape. We got The Dead. 
we got Demun. So uh, <laughs> you could do a lot worse. Um, as always, we hope you join us. Join us. Join us. This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.